Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for this opportunity, for all your blessings. We thank you, Father God. Holy Spirit, I open myself up to be used by you. May the words of my mouth be anointed with your life-giving life-changing. We just thank you, Father. We thank you for everything that you've done and are doing for us and will do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, we got the complete package when we got salvation. It's in all three time zones, past, present, and future. Sometimes we look too much to the future, but he's in the present also. So we've been going through the book of Joshua, and uh, We're starting in chapter 1, verse 1, and we've been using the book of Joshua kind of as an example of life that we are going through, different time period, obviously, different circumstances, different challenges, but we can look and see what worked for Joshua and the promises that God gave to Joshua, and we have promises that God's given to us. So we established that Joshua had been with this group and part of it he didn't join up just late on in the in the move. He was there from the beginning and was one of the spies with a positive report. Uh, we looked at in verse 1 it says that he was Moses's servant and established that he probably worked under Moses in the ministry, in the work to accomplish everything that needed to be done for the people. You know, we can learn from uh, making our own mistakes, which is probably the least desirable as far as I'm concerned. I'd much rather uh, learn by watching and seeing what other people have done and learning from their mistakes, or even better yet, reading and learning and not to make the mistake at all. So those are three different opportunities. We also talked about, uh, we looked at faithfulness a little bit more in depth. And, you know, we're, we're very thankful at this church that we have faithful people. I'm not talking about faithfulness because we're lacking it. Uh, but even if you are faithful, you can continue to ask God how you can improve You can ask God what areas that you can change your attitude. So we looked at faithfulness, um, steadfast in alliance, loyal, like a faithful friend, Um, firm in observance of duty, conscientious. We looked at that as a faithful employee does what they're asked to do. Given with strong assurance, binding, faithful promise. So somebody says, well, they're faithful to their word. God is faithful to his word. You're faithful to your word. So your word binds you to what you're going to do. And then true to the facts, we talked about um, that a faithful copy is true to the original. So it copies the original in in great detail. And we took off last week and we looked at several different circumstances. We looked at um, Eleazar, who was in... Find my notes here, please. We looked at Eleazar, who was faithful in the mission that he was sent. Uh, 
So we looked at Joshua, he was faithful over time. We looked at Eleazar, he was faithful in the mission that uh, God used him to continue the, the Israel, continue, continue the Jewish nation. And he was also faithful with money. Um, and then we looked at Elijah and Elisha and the, um, and the call of God that was on Elisha's life to follow Elijah, and he was faithful to the end of the mission. So he got involved in something and didn't quit until it was over. Last week I asked you if you knew how far a camel could cruise in a day. Uh, I googled it this week. <laughs> a camel can carry easily extra 200 pounds and go for uh, right at 20 miles a day. So that wouldn't be strenuous, that would be what we'd say an average camel. Uh, not one on steroids. Um, so this trip that Eleazar went on took about 23 days if he traveled every day nonstop for 20 miles. So it wasn't just, like we said, around the corner that he went. Uh, how many of you had an opportunity to, to look at and listen to Paul Harvey on YouTube? Did you, anybody listen to that, the Declaration of Independence and what happened to those signers? Sometimes we, uh, we fall into a trap where we think we're the only ones that are going through hard times and everybody else had it easy. And, and every generation that's come down has had to stand up for truth and for liberty and for what's right. And they've, they've, uh, they've been, the fights have been different. Um, our fight is kind of a, interesting. It's more of a cultural, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, what people think of me type of uh, type of a fight, but uh, it still is standing for for righteousness. So in verse two, we looked and we we saw that you know Moses is gone, and that our leaders sometimes will change, and you know God wants to train you so that He can use you. You your leader may not pass away like Moses did. Hopefully not. But <laughs> we don't want to believe that for our leaders. <laughs> Please, ushers, don't believe that. <laughs> but uh, sometimes it may just be that the season has come that God taps you on the shoulder, so to speak, and, and moves you out, whether it may be a different church or a different location, or, uh, or it may just be he moves you to a different portion of, the, of working um, uh, promotion in your life that he... He looks to you to, to step up. By the way, I want to uh, welcome everybody that's joining us online and on the on internet. Thanks for, for coming in and joining us. You know, when Kenneth Hagin uh, Sr. passed away, a lot of people were wondering, what now, what now? Well, guess what? We kept on going. Uh, people stepped up. The ministry is still going. They're still uh, planting uh, Bible schools throughout the world. Last I heard, it was 265 Bible schools. I don't know. If, um, so pretty much the sun never sets on, on a Rhema uh, Bible Institute where they're training people to go out into the gospel. And rather, you know, when I went to school, there was just one campus in Tulsa, Oklahoma, actually Broken Arrow. But now there's multiple campuses, and it makes sense to bring, uh, rather than bringing people to the United States and, and training them and them going back for them to be able to stay in their home nation and minister and live there, uh, 
more people can come and take advantage of it. So we see that sometimes our leaders change places and our leaders, um, you know, we, but we move on, but the work of God needs to continue. Uh, in verse 3, we see that Joshua had to do something. Uh, he had to step out and walk out the will of God. So uh, the promise to him was, every place on which your soul treads, I have given you just as I spoke to Moses. So Moses had been given the promise. Now Joshua was going to go and cash in on the ticket, so to speak. He was going to redeem that and bring that in. Uh, we looked at verse 4, and we said that um, this whole area, the promise that God gave to, to Moses, wasn't fully occupied until 430 years later during the rule of King David when his... Uh, when he went out and conquered the entire land, and uh, so he, so David was the one that you know fully enveloped that. Uh, God's plans are long term; He's not in a hurry; He's not playing catch up. You know, sometimes we th we think, well, God, what are you doing? You know, look what's going on in the world, but He's got this under control. Uh, in verse five, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you, and I will not fail you or forsake you. It's interesting that uh, the first, well, not, you know, very early in the onset of taking on the land that Joshua came across the, the people of Ai, 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 and uh, they lost. And it turned out that there was sin in the camp, and we saw that the promises of God are conditional. They're conditional on us uh, walking in faith. Uh, in our dispensation, it's uh, by grace and faith. Uh, faith is a positive response to what he has done. Our promises are by grace through faith. So Joshua had a part to play. He had to st stay strong and be of good courage. Uh, <clears throat> now, thanks be to God, we have learned in ourselves, we need to learn in ourselves how to encourage ourselves, how to strengthen ourselves. And this time that we're living in, it seems like men's hearts, uh, fear, you know, and failure is something that is prevalent. But we need to be reassured that God is with us. He promised never to leave us till, not even at the end of the age. He said he'd be with us. We can't go by feelings. Feelings are not a, a true guide. If you've uh, ever worked on a, on a car, there's kind of a, a flow chart. If this doesn't happen, you go to the next item. And sometimes people want to go by experience. You know, my uncle had a car and it didn't start and it wound up being the battery. Uh, well, the battery may have nothing to do with this. We got to go through the flow chart and we got to see, okay, is it cranking? It's not turning over. Okay, so now we need to... Is, is the battery good? Is the starter good? Are the connections good? We have a, a hit list of things to do, and it's not just, well, you know, I remember when I first started working on cars, and I was 16, and, and uh, all my buddies knew as much as I did, which was pretty much nothing. But we knew people that, you know, <laughs> we knew people that had, had cars, and this happened to them, and they did this, and, and it fixed it. And so it was a lot of trial by error. Uh, and again, we can, we can learn by that, but throwing parts at a vehicle is not, 
uh, inexpensive and it's not the best way to, to fix it. Uh, going back to what I said earlier, if, if you can learn by other people's mistakes, uh, one of the mistakes I, I learned was, was going by circumstances. Go by a, a flow chart and that's really what your mechanic knows that the average person doesn't know is when you turn the key, what's the sequence of things that happens and what's supposed to happen and when it doesn't, where, where do you check and how do you diagnose it? So we can't allow uh, our feelings to dictate whether we're happy, uh, whether we're joyful, whether we're, um, you know, whether we're overcomers or not, because uh, feelings change. I shared that, uh, you know, I had been feeling just, just peachy, I guess you'd say, you know, everything was fine, and, and went to bed, and got up the next morning, and I was like, oh, you know, nothing had changed. I mean, uh, all the circumstances were the same, but I was allowing the feelings of, the, of that to, to influence me, and, and we can't do that. We have to, have to learn to, to go by what the Word of God says. Uh, observe to, verse 7 says to observe to do and, and only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to the word of God. We need to realize that the word of God is relevant today as it was when it was written. Uh, his word doesn't change. The word of God says that um, the, you know, the, the grass withers and the flowers fade. Um, and, but the word of God doesn't change. It's not affected by the, the natural world. And then we looked at, uh, in verse 7, we looked at turning not. Don't allow the world to um, affect what we think. And I came across an article. How many of you um, read uh, Rick Dennison, I mean, Jim Dennison's report? He has an email you can sign up for. Yeah. Anyhow, he's, he's a good commentator. But he, uh, he I'm going to read this to you. This is a quotation from uh, Don Lemon. Don Lemon apparently is a CNN broadcaster. I don't, I don't know. I don't watch CNN. But he was saying that I respect people's rights to believe in whatever they want to believe in their God. But if you believe in something that hurts another person or does not give someone the same rights and freedoms, not necessarily under the Constitution because it is under God, I think that's wrong. So Don Lemon's God is the God of, um, of the American culture today. And it's culture that says, you're welcome to believe whatever you would like in God unless someone disagrees with you. <laughs> if, if anyone considers your beliefs to be hurtful to anyone, they must therefore be hurtful. And if they are hurtful, they must be disallowed. As Christians, you and I are living in a time when we're being forced more and more every year to choose between courage and compromise. You know, our civil laws are based on moral laws, and those moral laws are, found in the, are based on what's found in the Bible. And if we do away with right and wrong and basically tell people that you can do whatever is right for you, uh, we'll have no rule, there'll be no order, it will be chaos. So we need to be aware that that's where culture is going. Um, there, anything that, that says this is absolute, 
this is right and this is wrong. They seem to be uh, bent on tearing it down, burning it, or destroying it somehow. Uh, but God's word is true and it will never fail. God's word should always be spoken by believers. You know, we talked about that meditating has kind of gotten a bad um, image because we, we think of Eastern religions and <clears throat> burning incense and sitting around and going, mm, you know. Uh, <laughs> that's not the, the, the type of meditation that the Bible talks about. The type of meditation the Bible talks about is taking a phrase or a thought that's found in God's word and mulling it over and over and over and thinking about it and allowing it to uh, change your thoughts and to become ingrained in you. <clears throat> so we need to do that as, as followers of the word. We need to think on it over and over and over. You know, there's nothing more important than reading the word of God. It establishes faith in our hearts and helps us uh, with our correcting us as, as we walk down the path. And in verse 8, we see that uh, this isn't all up to God. In, in my version, uh, you is used six times. You must do something. So let's read it. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So it's not what pastor does. It's not what uh, a teacher does. You know, it's what you're doing. It's what you're allowing to become and affect your life. <clears throat> Are you following and reading the scriptures? Are they changing your life? Are they becoming a part of what you do? You know, Joshua's told two things, and I think they really apply to us and to be strong and in good courage. Uh, and two things not to do, and that was not to be afraid or dismayed. Uh, being strong is the opposite of fear, and being in good courage is the opposite of being dismayed. Dismayed is defined by being filled with dread or apprehension and mentioned that fear is a lie about the future. Also told you I went to TED Talks and I listened to a, a talk on fear and this gentleman's thought was the biggest reason people don't want to get out of their comfort zone is, is that uh, they draw attention to themselves and they feel uncomfortable when they do that and they're afraid of the unknown. If I say this, I don't know, I don't have control what's going to come back to me. I don't know what's going to happen. And we use the example of being in a classroom and never asking a question of the professor or teacher because you're afraid it's a stupid question, or never answering a question because you're not sure it's the right answer and you don't want to look foolish. So you have a, a fear, <clears throat> and those fears can be overcome. You can learn the answer. You know, God's word is the answer. <clears throat> so we, have a, we, we looked at the story of, of Joshua's life, and we know that him going across the Jordan was him stepping out and crossing the line to start walking out what Moses had been promised and what he had been promised, and he was not going to do that. We need to step out across the line and, and not be um, secret agent Christians. 
We need to, we need, people need to know that we're Christians wherever we work, uh, whatever we, wherever we are. Um, I think I shared the example of going to uh, the Yellowstone County Detention Center. If you go to go in and work in the prison, you have to attend an orientation class. And, and I went early to attend this orientation and uh, sat down at a table and there was another gentleman and he was soon joined by some other men and, and I asked them what they, what they did and they, they said they were Buddhists and they went into uh, and to do meditations either one-on-one -on -one or, or do some teaching as a class. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm a Christian. And they said, oh, yeah, we know. And I'm like, you know, I have a cross on my forehead or, you know, I mean, but apparently they had picked that up. So um, maybe they got it through the, the spirit. I don't know. But we need, to, we need to not be afraid to step out at work, uh, to step out in, in life and share what God's done with us. You know, if you're afraid they're going to they're, they're gonna think that you're uh, crazy, they do anyhow. <laughs> you know, if they know you're a Christian, they, they, pretty much, uh, they pretty much already think that you're crazy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. They don't, uh, they don't understand if, if, uh, if their eyes haven't been opened, they haven't been enlightened to, to spiritual things, uh, it doesn't make sense that somebody 2,000 years ago died on a cross horribly and his blood uh, covers us and, and washes away our sins. It doesn't make any sense in a, in a natural realm. And most of these people, that's all they know. That's all, they've, that's all they see. Uh, the method God used to bring salvation, this world bases everything on merits, on works. So it's hard for them to understand that something like salvation would just be given away um, and that it would be, uh, it couldn't, they, they can't fathom that it can't be earned because that's every, everything they've gotten in life that they, uh, that they have has been gotten through works uh, that they have done. I find that when I start talking to people about, you know, about Christianity, you know, one of the things that they bring up is that they say, well, I think God's a fair God and that, you know, if, if there is a God, he's fair and I hope my good works outdo my, my bad works. Well, um, that's not the way it works. You know, uh, God set the rules. We didn't. Uh, if we set the rules, maybe that's how we would have done it. But God set the rules, and he said, I, I'm giving it to anyone who wants it. All they have to do is accept my son as their uh, sacrifice. We talked about we have such a precious uh, promise and such a precious gift that we can't really sit on it and not tell other people about it. Um, we need to share scriptures uh, with other people. We need to allow the love of God to come through us. You know, back in the World War II and, and possibly even into the Korean War, I'm not sure, but soldiers were put on transport boats and it took them anywhere from two to three weeks to get to their destination. And during this time, both going and coming, and uh, uh, during this time, there was a transport boat that was going to uh, uh, 
I don't know if it was Normandy or uh, was involved in D-Day, but the, the troops were going over to Europe to fight, and they had time, obviously, on, on this trip. And a private was walking around the deck, and he came across a, a chaplain who was reading his Bible, and, and he said, uh, he said, sir, are you going to teach us about hell? And the, the chaplain put his Bible down and said, well, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. And he says, you got to, because we're going to war, and we may not come back. We may not live. And if there's not a hell, we don't, it doesn't really matter. But if there's a hell, we need to know about it. And, you know, that's the same thing. We need to have that attitude is the people that we see that we run into um, they're unless they know Christ they're heading they're headed to hell and they they need to have that opportunity to change we talked about Andrew Womack says that if you uh, withhold information you've made a decision for them already uh, you know a lot of people that I ask if I can pray for a lot of them don't say no get away you know or get angry a lot of them receive it uh, I think sometimes we determine in our minds ahead of time that they're going to respond negative to anything that we do. And we can't be that way. We have to believe that God's going to work through us and reach people. Joshua had to cross the Jordan River and actually fight the people of the land. We have to stand up for what is right and what the Word of God says even if it makes us unpopular on Facebook or we lose friends. Uh, there's a time to go witnessing, like we have signed up to go to uh, Lewistown for an event, and there'll probably be some opportunity witnessing. But then there's a time to be a lifestyle of witnessing and just live, uh, live that lifestyle. Don't be afraid to enter into discussions. You know, sometimes you may have to Hey, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one. I'll have to do some research and come back. Um, the good news is that knowledge has, has increased dramatically, and there's so much good information available uh, that there's entire books that have been written on creation versus evolution, on, you know, the, the, just almost any subject that you can pick that the Bible would stand up for. Uh, there's apologetics that will back it up and you don't have to be an expert, you can just kind of get the cliff notes and, and you know, have enough information. Um, but you can, you can study it out. So we talked about, um, you know, in one of the other questions that you'll get when you start sharing that you're a Christian is people will, will ask you, well, how can a loving God, why would he send people to hell? Why would he punish people? And the short answer is, it's not up to him. God's done everything that he can do. Uh, in fact, he, he tells them to choose life and not death. Uh, John 3.16 is, whosoever believeth. Um, you know, so we don't, we don't stand in a, a place of judgment. We just dispense the, the goodness of God. If you remember in a, in a study that we did Earlier we talked about the herald-er that gets up on the, up on the uh, 
high spot and they blow the trumpet and then he reads the, you know, the declaration of God. We're supposed to read that declaration that God loves you, that God cares about you, and that there is no sin big enough to keep you from God. If you want uh, to know God, he's, he's already done everything that he can. Uh, we talked about you know, God could have created a, a planet of Labrador retrievers that just, you know, they, they love everybody, everything. And, and <laughs> but, uh, I used my dog Bailey as an example. Um, you know, he was very loving and affection, but he didn't have a high level of understanding. Uh, you know, to, you could have a, have a discussion with him. And, and so there's more than just um, love. There needs to be uh, intellect. The decision needs to be made to love God back is, is really what accepting Jesus is, is making a decision that you're going to love God back. Um, and then we brought out the, the point about uh, you wouldn't want God to force you to love him. Um, you know, that, that would not be a, a love of a free will. That wouldn't be a love from our heart. It, it wouldn't be what we would want. Um, and I used the example of, you know, uh, the friend card, uh, you know, when one person is more interested in another and it's not reciprocated, you know, listen, I like you, let's just be friends, you know. Um, but if a person could force another to love them, uh, it, would, it would, would not have the motivation that, that we're looking for. Matthew 25:41 says that hell was never intended for humans but was made for the fallen angels and, and demons. So God never intended anyone to go to hell. He, his hope was that they would believe for his son to come and then after his son came they would believe on his son to be their Messiah and their Redeemer. 2 Peter 3:9 says the Lord's will is for all people to be saved and to repent. looked at the travels that they had to do. Um, things don't come easy sometimes. And then I wanted to, you know, sometimes when I've shared the and talked with people about my belief in God, they, they ask me, do you really believe all the stories in the Bible? Uh, so I just, I picked a couple uh, that we can look at. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 20. This will be verses 22 and 24. And when they began singing and praising the, the Lord... When, oh, I'm sorry, when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the son of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab, 
Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and destroyed them completely. And when they had finished with their finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So in this story, uh, Judah is being attacked by three tribes or three nations, and the nations destroy themselves. Uh, guys, how many of you ever played army when you were growing up? And I remember that, you know, we would pick teams, and then, you know, that was your side, and, and I was always very loyal to my side. The next day I might have different people on my group, but I was loyal to them. And so I had a hard time understanding how um, these people would just destroy one another or turn on one another and, uh, and kill, each, kill one another. You know, God delivered them through confusion, basically. Uh, so can, that, can something like that happen today? I mean, after all, we got electricity and radar and radio and, and could armies actually destroy one another or uh, be destroyed like that? Let's go to Deuteronomy 28.10. And this is the, uh, the blessings and the cursings that are declared if you obey the commandments of the Lord compared if you don't. Uh, we'll start in verse 9. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as he swore to you. If you will keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. So all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the Lord and they will be afraid of you. But could... Could something like this really happen? Could people just be afraid and turn on one another or kill one another or run away just at the, at the, the sound of, the, of your army coming? In 1967, we have what was called the Six-Day War. Israel had been in existence and was getting ready to celebrate 20 years of anniversary when Egypt, Jordan, Syria, and Iraq decided that they were going to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. They had 500,000 troops amassed. They spent a week getting ready on all the borders. That was twice that of what Israel could muster, even if Israel called in all their reserves. The combined armies had twice the tanks, four times the number of airplanes of Israel. Their goal was to literally destroy Israel and remove them as being a nation. For one week, they got their armies ready to go, and Israel's air force, knowing that this attack was imminent, launched a preemptive strike. The interesting thing is that Israel, or Egypt, had changed its coding, and none of their allies could warn them. So if Pastor Mike, Pastor Sean, and myself decide that we're going to go to war, but the night before we were planning our attack, I changed my cell phone number. They're going to have a hard time reaching me and coordinating what we're going to do. But that's exactly what happened. Egypt changed their, 
their codes. Um, so Jordan radar picked up the Israeli planes taking off, and they sent out a warning, but it wasn't received. And Israel, in one day, destroyed the entire Egyptian and Syrian air force. Many of the Egyptian airplanes never got off the ground. They destroyed six air bases, all the planes that were sitting on them, and that's in a day and time when there's electricity, radar, phones, um, radio, way to, to reach. On day two, um, let's look at Exodus real quick. That's right after Genesis. Exodus 23 and verse 20 and 7 and 28. And it says, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among, you, among whom you come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. On day two of the war, the ground war saw the Egyptian armies sending out orders that contradicted good sense. They were abandoning equipment, heavy artillery, and tanks, and leaving them behind, not even taking the time to scuttle them. You know, most of the time, if you have to run, you don't leave your weapons so that your enemy can take, it, take them over. Um, but that's not what was going on. Left behind were uh, enough tanks and heavy equipment to uh, equip five brigades. Well, I'm not... Uh, wasn't real sure on what a brigade was, so I, I googled it. Uh, brigade is between three and five thousand men, so they left enough equipment to outfit fifteen to twenty-five thousand men in, with military gear. And there were there was some skirmishes, but it never there never really was fighting. Um, the miracles of the Six Day War. Uh, there's a book out on it, and you can you can look that up. Israel increased its borders by three times, you know. And we, we look at this Bible and we read it, and sometimes we, we wonder, could that, did, did that really happen? Could that really happen? I, I propose to you that, yes, it can really happen, and it did really happen. Um, another area, and I just picked a few, is uh, Noah's Ark. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, do you really think the earth was flooded? The whole earth, yeah. And all the animals fit in it. Well, every dog that you know and have ever known is, comes from the wolf. So if you get a male and female wolf onto the ark, you've covered all the dogs. And um, it's similar to with the other species. So we didn't have to have, you know, 900 breeds of dogs on the ark. Um, the ark was built on a, on a ratio that was for many years used... Uh, by mariners and copied because of its stability. I was reading an article on um, the cruise ships before COVID and all that, and how the cruise ships cruise ships have <laughs> have become very unseaworthy because of their their build ratio. Everybody wants a cabin above, you know, the water. So they're basically putting a 10 or 12 story building on top of a boat. And because of that, they have to avoid storms and they're limited on what they can do. Um, but the ark 
was built totally opposite. The arc could almost go 90 degrees without capsizing. So you think about the weight that they carried and the, and the ratio. Uh, the article I, I, I read basically said it couldn't have been done uh, any better. Um, that, uh, the, that it could rotate almost 90 degrees and return to center without taking on water. Um, do I believe that God saved uh, people through the ark? Yes, I do. And um, I think that science has proven it out. The last thing I want to talk about is in 2 Thessalonians. Thessalonians? <laughs> I need me one of those programs that you click on a word and then it'll audibly announce it to you. <laughs> I probably have it on my phone. I just haven't figured out how to use it. <laughs> so we're talking about can things that are written in the Bible be actually happening today and with all our modern technology. This is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Now we request you, brethren, with regarding to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together of him, that you may not quickly be shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter or an article on the Internet to the effect <laughs> that the day of the Lord has come. Let no man in any, verse 3, let no man in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostate first comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed and the sons of destruction. So one of the things that um, I've been asked as I've talked with people about Christianity is, well, you're believing for a great end time revival and, and they're, and I'm, yes, we are. And their point is, but the world society, according to Christianity, is becoming worse and worse and worse. And how can both of those things be happening at the same time? And, you know, the Bible says that uh, fresh water and salt water can't spring out of the same well. But this isn't coming from the same well. Jesus said that to some of the Pharisees that you're of your father, the devil, and separated the good from evil. So we're going to continue to see evil coming from one spring getting darker and darker, and we're believing and expecting and seeing God start to move. Uh, I shouldn't say start. Continue to move in our lifetime with the holy, with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe uh, Rick, when he was sharing, said that uh, church attendance is at one of its all-time time low right now. We um, have seen major splits in the Methodists, United Methodists, Southern Baptists, some of the mainline denominations that have been uh, faithful and steady for years are going through this cultural upset and what are we going to believe and are we going to believe the word of God and are we going to stay with it or are we going to be more progressive um, you know so we are starting to see um, that falling away that it is already in effect and already happening I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, pastor and, and Dale agreed that we would start, the men would start going through the Holy Spirit book. I started reading through some of it, and one of the comments that stuck out to me was that if you take the Holy Spirit out of church, you either have a social club 
or a dead religious ritual. And a lot of people have been disappointed in traditional churches because they have denied the power of God. Uh, the Bible says that that you know is a possibility to 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 deny that. Um, we, we welcome the Holy Spirit in our services, and I'm glad to see the direction this church is going and continuing to go. I want to know Him more. I want Him to be. I want to be more involved in the things that He's doing. Um, the idea that, you know, Matthew 24, 4, Jesus said, let no man deceive you. And here in verse 3, uh, Paul says it again, let no one in any way deceive you. Gives the connotation that you can be deceived or you can not be deceived. Um, that falling away is going to become more prevalent, but we don't have to be involved in it. We don't have to get caught up, uh, caught up in it. Um, if you've ever worked in any kind of monetary institution, one of the things that they tell you is they usually will just give you a, a, a stack of bills and they'll tell you to close your eyes and just count them. And if you do that, uh, I had a, a sales, when I was in sales, I had an employee that took payment and didn't count the money. Um, that's just not wisdom. Uh, in that stack, there were three photocopied $20 bills. And when I took the money and I just started feeling it, I didn't even have to look at each bill. The minute my, my fingers hit that uh, photocopy paper, it was like, what's this? Pulled it out. Sure enough, it's a, it's a counterfeit. Um, we get used to and get to know the Holy Spirit, and the counterfeit will, will not be able to, to pass or to pull anything on us. We'll be aware of it. We'll know uh, and believe the Word of God and have it in our heart and have the love of God in our heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to share your word, to, to love you, to honor you. We thank you, Father God, for faithfulness in our people. We thank you for faithfulness, that you are a faithful God and love us and pour out the Holy Spirit upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.